Who understands the mind of God? Nobody. The odd reality we discover in our culture today is humanity works tirelessly to interpret what God means by what God says. One of the great mysteries humanity attempts to translate is the why. God decided to take seven days out of his eternal timeline to create a populated earth with frail humanity. It would behoove us to remember that one day to the Lord is a thousand years to man, meaning the breath of humanity on earth is seven short days to our Lord. It also means that the earth will have a max of 7,000 years. We are at the end of the 6,000 year mark if we carefully review the Hebrew calendar. This means we have several minutes before the rapture. Here are the calculations. Looking at God's timeline versus man's timeline, one day to God is 1,000 years for humanity. One hour with God is four years to man. Ten minutes with our Lord is seven years for humanity. And finally, one second to the Lord is four days to us. In these calculations, we find that God's timetable of eternity, his seven days is hardly a blip on his eternal radar. By leaning on the eternal clock of God, all the important numbers contained in the Word of God perfectly match this formula. For example, God established the creation of man and earth on a seven-day pattern. On the Sabbath, God required Adam and Eve to rest. The Roman calendar considers Sunday to be the day of rest. However, the Hebrew calendar places our Saturday as actually the day of rest. When we look into God's timeline, we discover that the 1,000-year reign of Christ to be God's day of rest. Why did God create humanity and the earth? Allow me to let you in on an eschological secret that I use when studying the Word of God. I study and review all scripture from the Hebrew customs, traditions, and laws. Since God only supports the building and protecting of one nation, Israel, we must view all scripture, particularly the prophecies, from an eternal mind's view. If we don't, we will delude the Bible into a self-indulgent book of comfort. In the end, the Holy Word of God will be focused on humanity versus the objectives of the living God and his eternal Hebrew patterns of thinking. The Godological reason is simple. Within the Hebrew laws of God, the firstborn male is required to be married. It's not optional, it is the law. 
Within this mandate is what God used to carry his eternal timeline forward and pass forward the eternal prophecies of God. Since God established this law, he had to fulfill this mandate with his one and only Son, Jesus. As per the norm of Hebrew fathers, this resulted in God selectively picking bridal members for his Son, the Bride of Christ, which we obviously call the Church. Looking at God's timeline of the age of man, in reviewing God's one-week pattern, we discover that God conducts his Alpha and Omega in seven short days, the beginning and the end of humanity. In total, we find the seven days of our Lord. However, we are given 6,000 years to do our thing in man's timeline. Within his timeline, God gives humanity six days while saving the Sabbath for himself. It puts the final 6,000 years of humanity ending between 2023 to 2029. While it is important to review time through God's eternal clock, humanity is running out of time even if we use the Roman timeline. While understanding that God created humanity in his image, he also created a timeline parallel to his eternal clock by calculating through the previously stated formula. Perhaps the most incredible part of his creation miracle is that the people of God would also have the ability to discern the prophecies he delivers by understanding the difference between the eternal clock and that of humanity. Welcome to number 18, Daniel's Vision of the Four Beasts, Part 1. We are about to explore the holy war between two nations, Babylon and Israel. At this point in our story, God has successfully destroyed the kingdom of Babylon. He, God, is in the process of bringing the Medo-Persian Empire to a close. However, we need to keep a few facts in mind. Satan stepped in to establish his kingdom of darkness early on. Keep this doctrine in mind. God created two primary trees in the garden the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God then placed Satan in the tree of knowledge. God could have easily put the enemy on the moon. He did not. The reason is after God is done accomplishing his will with the earth, the earth becomes an infernal prison cell for Satan, his demons, and all those who refused God. He not only kept him on this formless planet, but after making the planet beautiful, he created a garden with specific dimensions, a 1,500-square-mile garden. Secondly, God dedicated a particular tree for Satan. Finally, he allowed Satan to propagate deception upon Adam and Eve to successfully recruit his first 
followers of his kingdom of darkness, which later became the Babylonian Empire. While humans make the wars and rumors of wars about humanity, the dynamics of kingdom fighting have always been about the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. Satan was once named Lucifer, the angel of light. God stripped him of this title and renamed him Satan, king of darkness. That left Jesus as the king of the kingdom of God, light. God began to prove to Satan that his son is the king of kings. Thus why we have two trees in the garden. Let's review our scriptures. Remember to study the entire chapter of 7. Today we're going to focus on verses 1 through 3. It says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed. Then he wrote the dream down and related it, the following summary of it. Daniel said, I was looking in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. Let's take a look at that tree of knowledge morphs into Babylon. Babylon derives from Babel the name assigned after Nimrod built a tower rising against God. Since Nimrod's objective was to climb to the top of this tower to curse God, the Lord quickly put a different language in the mouths of all the people. When the builders attempted to communicate, they sounded like babbling idiots, thus the title Tower of Babel. However, this did not stop Nimrod. He headed off to establish the first 15 cities known to humanity. Later, these cities formed the Kingdom of Babylon, which captured the Hebrew people of God for 70 years. Satan's first tangible kingdom was Babylon. Within Babylon's golden years, Satan's many forms of idolatry, all of which had their origin in gods of Babylon, they spread quickly through the ancient world. Due to this, God raised Abraham and the nation of Israel through him. Shortly after Jerusalem was established as the capital of God's people, it became the time God ignited his prophecies of the coming Messiah as well as the final collapse of the final Babylonian Empire of the Antichrist. During this time, the Hebrew people did not remain faithful to God. They were distracted by the pleasantries of Babylon and their idols. All of this resulted in King Nebuchadnezzar's capture of the Jews for God's discipline reasons for 70 years, which was 10 minutes to the Lord. Now looking at Babylon resurrects, 
As we gaze down the timeline of Babylon in history and prophecy, we see the evidence stated in Revelation's book, The Rise or Resurrection of Old Babylon. Read more about that in Revelation chapter 18, verse 21. This empirical system is also referenced as the seven-year reign of the Antichrist, the toes and feet of Nebuchadnezzar's statue. When you read Babylon in the scriptures, it translates as Satan's kingdom of darkness. Another important note, Satan will not be sedated until Jesus Christ tosses him into the pit of hell. Until then, he will surface again and again through governance systems until his day of judgment. A final note, since spirits cannot experience death, their consequences of evil will be delivered in the form of eternal torment. Sad to say, all humans that support the king of darkness will suffer the same consequences of their leader, damnation. Damnation is a curse, a curse that matched the forefather of Nimrod. And of course, that was his grandfather, Ham. Looking at why the rapture, remember the story of God telling Lot to communicate to his wife not to turn around to watch the destruction God was about to deliver to Sodom and Gomorrah. And if she did, she would turn to a pillar of salt. As the scriptures reveal, she didn't listen to her husband's voice and indeed became a salt lick for the cattle. So what's up with this mandate? Well, you must understand Hebrew laws and culture. First and foremost, the bride of a Hebrew leader is not allowed to see the wrath of their husband in action. In this, we discover the people of God representing the prophetic representation of the Bride of Christ. Thus, Lot nor his wife were to witness the destruction God inflicted on these two cities. However, this was too much of a temptation for his wife. Similarly, the Bride of Christ is to be removed, gathered up, before God begins to deliver his anger onto the Antichrist. More significantly, how can the Bride of Christ come back with Jesus in his second coming at the end of the tribulation period unless she was already gathered up? Now looking at Daniel's first vision, as you might have guessed, the book of Daniel is divided up into two sections. The first six chapters contain the overview of his prophetic history during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius the Mede, and Cyrus the Persian. The remaining chapters of the book detail the visions God gave him, depicting last day's events. Chapter 7 reveals the opening scene in the series of his visions. In reviewing the last half of the book of Daniel, we will see a provoking pictorial 
and comprehensive snapshot of the history of humanity from the time of Daniel until the setting up of the kingdom of God on earth at the second coming of Jesus at the close of the Antichrist tribulation. Backing up to the reign of Belshazzar, the king before Darius collapsed and conquered Babylon. Daniel had a vision that he wrote down. At this point in our story, he communicates what he saw. The vision starts with the four winds of heaven, north, south, east, and west. These winds stirred up the great sea, which was the Mediterranean Sea. This sea is the water west of Israel. In Revelation's book, chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, John tells us that an angel commanded the four winds to be held back from destroying the earth until God's faithful elect, the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews, were not only marked with God's seal, but finished their work during the reign of the Antichrist. These four winds are the same four winds noted in Revelation's book, which have to do with God's actions against the Gentiles versus his protection of Israel. All four winds represented the united forces of the resurrected Babylon, the reign of the Antichrist. I reference these storms as the storms of humanity's flesh. In conclusion, chapter 7 of our study enumerates the succession of world empires and rulers, which connect ancient prophecies to the final hours of the age of men. The lion represents Babylon, whose ruthless and demonic kingdom was instigated by marvelous intelligence, the bear. Persia, the leopard, Greece under Alexander the Great, and the fourth beast, the great iron teeth, which was Rome. The ten horns and toes are ten kings, and these without question represent great European kingdoms who were birthed by the Roman Empire. While we will detail the ancient of days, as for now, understand that this is Jesus Christ sitting upon his throne, his snow-white garments being displayed in his purity. The fire strategically placed in his eyes is the soon-coming wrath he will show forth to all who offended the Hebrew God and his mighty kingdom. When it was stated the government would be upon his shoulders, this is the Ancient of Days, ruling the earth through his 1,000 years of judgment. Coming up next, number 19, part 2 of Daniel's vision, that which rose up first, the kingdom of the Babylonians, the Asian monarchy, founded by Nimrod, increased by the Asians, and brought to its height under Nebuchadnezzar by the Babylonians and Chaldeans. This is said to be 
like a lion for its strength and power, for its greatness, oppression, and majesty. It also describes the resurrected Babylon stated in Revelation's book. The golden head of Babylon cannot be squelched until it is melted in the fiery furnace of hell. More about this in our next episode. It is a great blessing to us that you have joined our podcast today. We have lots of fun and exciting eschatological facts to bring to you over the next few podcasts. We hope you join us. Until next time.